What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 21 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts, and today I talked with KB808, who is a studio owner. He is a record producer and engineer as well. Uh, He works on a lot of hip-hop and Afrobeats and things like that. Uh, Today, we talked about the negative effects of being unprepared for your sessions, Uh, what the power of collaboration and building communities looks like, as well as some of his recent experiences with the late Coolio and Pierre Bourne. So stay tuned for all of that and more on this episode of What's That Sound podcast. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of What's That Sound? My name's Stuart. Today I'm here with KB808. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Yo, yo. How's it going, what? everyone? Thanks for having what? me on, Stewie. Appreciate yeah, it, buddy. Man. You are welcome. You are welcome. Now, me and you go back a little bit, but uh, a lot of people might not know who you are. So give us a quick rundown of who you are and what you do in the music industry. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, so basically, I've been uh, in the recording studio business for about 12 to 15 years or so, you know, just sort of hanging around, working in them, learning in them, and then finally built my own over the last three or four years, basically. I uh, used to DJ as well, as you know. I um, have been involved in various different projects with sort of dance music, affiliated people to drum and bass to hip-hop to rock to, um, yeah, just about uh, most genres that, you know, Melbourne's kind of known for, I guess. Yeah, uh, I've been it. around in those sort of areas, you know, and, um, you know, at one point I was mixing Latin bands live at Tromba, you know, in Brunswick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I remember so that. that was an amazing experience to go through. You were, you were around those days, right? I was, I was. You, you, down, you, down handballed me, you, you handballed me one of those gigs. That was good fun. <laughs> oh, that's right. yeah, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Now let's we'll get into that a little bit more detail. Some of the stuff that you've been yeah. doing in the past, but we'll take it back even earlier. Where did music come into play for you? Right. Basically, my first experience with music was um, my first sort of, uh, I guess, realization when I thought I was going to do this for you know more than just a hobby or more than just listening to music was, um, I guess, uh, back in the '96, um, I guess uh, I think it was '95, '96, when I went to the uh, Michael Jackson concert at the MCG. I went to that. <laughs> you went to that, right? I was like fucking 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, I was like 10 and off the boat and I yeah. couldn't speak English. So <laughs> that was an amazing experience, as you can imagine, right? Crazy. But obviously not just seeing Michael Jackson. Um, at the time, you remember Salt and Pepper were warming yeah. up? I remember that he did the whole turntablist routine with the, you know, uh, yeah. what was it back then? There was a couple of MCs and a couple of yeah. – Guys, they worked with anyway. It was the first time I've ever seen anything like that live. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then kind of experiencing going right. This guy's making all this from two records. <laughs> yeah, back then it was two turntables, man, and MC, yeah, and seeing yeah. two female MCs like rip it up on the decks, and then jump in front of the stage and start singing and dancing and introducing Michael Crazy. Jackson. Like man, <laughs> that was just like, yeah, know. dude. Yeah, that was it crazy. for me as far as, you know, starting to DJ and look into, you know, the whole 
production thing was early stages. Don't get me wrong. I didn't start producing in high school, obviously. Like yeah, back yeah. then it was, you know, Ataris and computers were really sort of still new. I was still working out yeah. how to, you know, print out, you know, fake sick notes at the time. I yeah, wasn't yeah. really making music or anything. It was sort of very, very far away at the time. But it was more about working out how to do that with two decks and a tape deck. Mm, you know, that's yeah. how my first production yeah, sort yeah. Of intro so, I started, so to be honest. You're you, like listening to like what sort of stuff was like floating your boat at that stage. So at the time, man, it was like Snoop Dogg Doggy Style, right? Yeah. That, that just come out. That whole Dre Tupac thing was started mm-hmm. to brew um, early days, obviously, but like, you know, um, mm-hmm. obviously the Chronic, you know, the original yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of sort of uh, R&B stuff, you know, like Jodeci. A lot of man, I used to kind of listen to a lot of the American stuff from the time, and it was like only a few places you could access that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't yeah. played on radio mainstream here, right? Was it wasn't definitely not playing that sort of shit. Yeah. No, 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 definitely not. Yeah. So it was just basically going down to Brashes right after Tucker Bag. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Straight from Tucker Bag to Brushes, and then spend your whole uh, month's pay on $39.95 for a. CD, double pack, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah, man, listen to that for six years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. You that's know, it. like, that's that yeah. my sort of early. I mean, I had a couple of tapes, but I can't say I'm that old. I wasn't yeah, saying yeah. tape decks were kind of phasing out. Obviously, it was a bit old school time. Yeah. I yeah. was sort of on the Sony Discmans. I was, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And then fast forward and a little obviously. bit, like, when, when did you start kind of becoming aware of – production and diving into that a little bit more? So production came to me uh, a few years after I did about maybe five years of mobile DJ, mm. just sort of, you know, house parties, whatnot, and then sort of trying to, I guess, put that together at home was a little bit, you know, far-fetched, if that makes sense. Like I was trying mm. to make some loops and whatnot from other records, and but it was sort of early stages. But when I first sort of, stepped foot into the real sort of professional world of production was when I um, actually did the DJ course at DMC Records yeah, up in Baran. Yeah. Right, so back in, I think it was probably 99 or 2000, around that, that, that time. Mm-hmm. Um, for memory, I kind of did the course there, which went for eight weeks. And one of those courses, one of the days on that course was to um, go to a recording studio and see oh, yeah. how you can integrate, you know, your – DJing in your production in one sort of realm, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think at the time it was a studio, the, the day trip we went to was a studio in St Kilda, uh, sorry, in South Melbourne. I think it was the old MDS DanceNet studios from memory. Right, right, right. I mean, again, I was still like 16, 17 at the time, so I was, mm. the whole thing was, you know, it all looked like Warner Brothers studios to me, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> walking into like a little DJ room. Like, yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, yeah. now thinking back, it was just a console and a mixer. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, it just would have like looked like a whole massive, yeah. Can you imagine stepping into MDS DanceNet Studio at the time, which were like, you know, decent studios with a lot of equipment. Mm. Um, I kind of got to have a little, you know, I guess a one-day quick crash course on how I can go mm. grab a record, mm. sample down to a sampler, pull it up mm. on the computer, sequence it, add sounds, and, like, at the time I was just like, 
I kind of knew this was possible. Yeah. Like, honestly, but I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't, you know, there was no internet research. There wasn't like, you know, there was magazines. There was PC magazine. There was like audio magazine stuff. But like it was more related to, you know, ridiculous pro consoles and live yeah. setups. And yeah, exactly. There and, wasn't and the plug-in and- talk. Live bands, right? You understand. You know, a lot of the studios around that time that we were around, we grew up in, they were kind of more focused on live traditional production where they have a drummer come in and play drum part. Like they won't have a session on how to make a drum loop yourself. You had to work that out. And it was just like, I mean, in Australia, it was just Australian music hadn't progressed to, apart from like underground dance music, there wasn't really any hip hop and like even dance music, there was none of that on the radio. It was like pop music, which was like electronic, but it didn't kind of Absolutely. have, it didn't have, like it just didn't have the sway that live music and guitar rock and stuff had over the 100%. mainstream radios. 100%. Yeah. Even when I started working at DMC Records, which was my next sort of venture into the actual DJ production world in a professional level, mm. um, I kind of experienced like, you know, the early days of that technology starting to surface, mm. you know, as far as, yeah, what was the early sort of tools like, you know, the very first, uh, like old you know, school logic, free loops and stuff as well. Right. Rebirth, things yeah, like that. Remember Rebirth, yeah, yeah. Yeah. White Stacks, right. And then Reason came out before mm. Logic had any of that bells and whistles of plugins and synths mm. and samplers still. Like we had Logic 4 and 5 back in those days, but mm. to make a sample or a drum loop in Logic back then, it was a you know, yeah, three-day adventure. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, then Reason came out and then there was a couple of other tools. There was FL, Fruity Loops at the time was called, yep. which is now FL Studio, which is one of the biggest doors in the world. Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, it was just a drum sequencer, as mm. you know yourself. Yeah. So kind of seeing all that happen on the early, early, early production days, it was kind of a – Real eye-opener, you know, to go, okay, I sort of saw how it used to be done just with two turntables and a sampler with yeah. three seconds of sample time, you know. Yeah. And I saw guys, man, in that studio the first couple of years at DMC. Obviously, I was hanging around, you know, kind of trying to learn and, you know, making sort of most of the time that I was there. And the DJ course would be on downstairs. I'd be upstairs in the studio. Like, yeah. <laughs> like where's KB? Yeah. You know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I yeah. kind of forgot about the DJ course, you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. okay, so this is – this is what's going on. I'll just spend my time up here. I'll just keep paying for the DJ course, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yeah, it kind of, yeah. Well, that's you know, funny because it's like that, then obviously that, I mean, the sampling and, and stuff, the, even the early versions of it that you were seeing still obviously stuck in your mind because, and we'll get to it, but, you know, that's essentially how you're producing these days, right? You're using your, your uh, MPC and all that sort of thing that, that still man, yeah. plays it's into how you do it. So it's it's fascinating that that has stuck with you and it imprinted on you that that was a, like the way to make the sort of music that you were into. Absolutely, man. I kind of always made music with a DJ mindset and more on feeling than mm. going, you know what, I wish I could pick up a guitar and play it and a mm. bass, but now I can. Just dial up a bass in any key on Splice yep. with a thousand different versions. Yeah. You know, for me to do that ten years ago, like impossible. Yeah. You know, I had I had like a two CDs with a sample CDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. as you know, man, like it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like I'm still doing the same thing, but I've got an entire 
world of resources now where I can collaborate with a musician somewhere in Sweden that I've never met for 10 bucks. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. It's so talk the to us about like, have now. yeah, well, exactly. Talk to us a little bit about, um, moving into like when you actually started to do it, like what was all, what was that like? So you, you know, even starting to work on your own music and producing your own music, creating your own music and collaborating with others, even I'm guessing it was quite Absolutely. a lot different back then. And what, what was, what did it look oh, like? Oh, it definitely was. It definitely was. So, um, at DMC, I started working with, uh, an old friend of mine, Gab Oliver. So at the time he was making deep house. Um, so the real underground, real sort of, um, experimental sound that, you know, would only be played in a few handful of clubs in Melbourne, but was big in London at the time and in mm. Europe. Uh, the Sashes, the Digweeds at the time were playing all this stuff at festivals. And so for us to kind of start making that stuff, like we were on the original uh, Mag G3s. That's when mm. my first experience was on a proper big boy computer. Mm. And at the time we were running Logic 4. Mm. Logic 4 or 5, early, early version of Logic, reason to make loops and patterns, sequencing, and like we would literally be looking for samples on movies and on TV yeah, shows. Yeah. You know, on records, obviously, on, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was a, it was 90% research for mm-hmm. an idea and a concept and then three weeks to sequence it and make it sound good <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you'd, 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 you have all this technology around in your computer, but it wasn't as powerful as it is today. No, that's it. it. The com- computers weren't able to do anything of what they can fucking do today. It's like, like drag it in and hit play and it's already there, but it, yeah, so different. You know, we experienced the early days of time correction, man. We had to time correct loops manually, Stu. Mm. So what mm. that means is I don't think a lot of the guys that I work with today, the younger kids have experienced that because even today, like, you know, you kind of can just chop it up and move it without even it's, knowing that you're doing anything special. You know what it's I mean? It's not something that you the, need to know. Yeah. You don't need to know what you're doing. And time yeah. correction has become, you know, automatic. But how yeah. we started in Logic, you know, none of that existed. So if we found a sample, let's say at 145 BPM, and we're working at 128 BPM, you know, the dreadful moment was like, this is hot. <laughs> Who's going to pick the small straw and time correct this for three days? <laughs> to see if it works, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously we have – and then we no, oh, no, this is shit, delete it. <laughs> so, oh, no, don't get me wrong. We had workarounds. We used to cheat. We used to like record CDRs and put them into the CD player and slow yeah. the pitch down. And I think to obviously things like that. By knowing what you're doing and, and practicing and getting used to the technology and how you actually do it, you can kind of foresee when something's not going to work a bit easier anyway as well. Absolutely. You, you, you pick up a process, you know, you become better at it. Regardless yeah, of how yeah. difficult it was, you know. It was a lot of work, but we did a lot more tracks than now. So, you yeah. know, it's kind yeah. of, you know, the catalog was bigger. Like, well, we're doing it full time as well. So that's mm. the other thing. I got to experience it from a unique perspective because not a lot of people did do it full time at the time. And because I was working in the record store below a studio, we mm. had the freedom of DMC Records allowing us to treat that place as our own. You know, yeah, thanks to sick. people like Stuart, Stuart, Gab, Phil, Phil K, Gab Oliver, Stuart Hannah. Uh, the guys that ran the place, you know, we kind of became a family, obviously. And, um, yeah, yeah. so we kind of got to live it, man. We got to live that lifestyle and sort of have the luxury of being able to try this stuff that we were making at the time 
at a club, you know, where Gab was DJing or Phil or any of the guys yeah. that I was working with on a massive yeah, sound system where when club, clubs had good sound systems, you know, back in 2005. Yeah. And I yep. from then, like, there was some crazy sound systems, man. And, like, people mm. really paid attention to how you think sounded in a club or a concert. Yeah. yeah. Not just on your headphones or your phone. Like, that was ridiculous, regardless to the point mm. where, you know, how it sounded at home. Well, I mean, you everything I mean? sounds good now. Like everything, even the smallest speakers. Everything sounds like, sounds good the same everywhere. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. There's no like translation. Yeah, translation issues aren't really as much of a <laughs> much of a problem. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. No. Well, At let's. The time, um, you know, I would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was just going to say, let's let's move forward to kind of what the the uh, the you of today is now and and what your process looks like now and and you know some of the people that you work with and that sort of thing. Absolutely, man. So to, as of today, like last few years, I've obviously been running Cosmic Bounce here. So I built the studio um, in 2019, 2020, we completed it. So we've been sort of working with different crews and different artists from Melbourne and just sort of helping people develop the sound, man. I'm kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, currently a one-man show. So I'm trying to, you know, organize different, you know, schedules for different artists and recording schedules, client schedules mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm artwork and all sorts of stuff. So there's kind of a, you know, a bit of a 24-7 approach at the moment, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and no, I know? think you're doing it quite differently to most other producers. Excuse me, and, and that's probably just because of your experience and how long you've been doing it. You've been seeing how to do things the right way and how to do things the wrong way. And so, you know, I think, so. you, I think what you understand is, you know, that it, it takes a holistic approach to music. It's not just about the music. And this is something we talk about here heaps on this podcast is like, you know, without the other 80% of the stuff that you have to do as a musician, the music, which is about 10 or 20% doesn't actually matter. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's a very, very big part of basically making good music. Mm. You know, a lot of these guys struggle with that, unfortunately. And everyone that I work with, I know I went through the same thing, Mm. Mm. you know, Mm. unfortunately, um, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, topic at the top of the uh, discussion list at the moment, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's really important to keep that in mind, obviously, because um, a lot of musicians work jobs that, you know, go for 150 hours a week sometimes, you know, and still yeah, try yeah. and become creative and try and be in a good mood to be able to release the creative energy and be mm. in a, you know, good place and not have all these stresses in the back of your mind. A lot of these people mm. I work with are, parents you know they're, they're also working two jobs they're trying to juggle a lot of things man and they're trying to become yeah. you know something that takes a lot of time and energy and funds man. you know yeah yeah so yeah. you know it's 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 really a lot of pressure man for musicians mm. today as you know mm. yourself you know to be able to go it's no longer just working out how to rap or sing man they have to know how to become a videographer a photographer an instagram expert and a yeah. full-time, you know, parent at the same time. You yeah, know? So, yeah, it's you know. ridiculous. Um, so let's let's get dive more into kind of what your actual sessions look like and um, your approach to recording with artists. You, you record with a whole bunch of different artists. Let's let's name some. We've got Adrian Swiss. You've worked with Double O Smooth, Matthew Craig, J Dro, Jess Machiavelli. You know, these are some really kind of. Um, I mean, like. I don't even know the word for it, but I think Melbourne especially has such a cool 
hip hop scene at the moment. Um, and everyone's kind of got each other's backs in a way as well. Um, and I mean, that's kind of a bit of a side note, but you know, I think it's important to mention how much it won't be underground eventually. And these are the sorts of artists and, you know, producers like yourself that are going to make the difference in the years to come. So talk us through some of those artists and, you know, the approach to working with them. Absolutely, man. So this is the, you know, the process usually with the, it's how I work with the artists that I kind of produce for is, um, you know, we do the old school hanging out jam session, playing some beats, you know, and then we kind of vibe, man, like straight out. This is how most of these sessions start. And most of these guys that you've just named, man, they're very, very talented people that can write a fucking track in 15 minutes, dude. You know what yeah. I mean? So I've been very lucky as well to go, uh, you know, I've been able to go, uh, I can, fire off beats to people and then <laughs> gives them yeah. that look on their face that, you know, you know that something's coming out, you know, and it's yeah. like usually it starts with a beat, to be honest with you, man, and like mm. from there, if the guys are inspired, it's like two hours later we're, you know, doing ad-libs, literally. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like sometimes it doesn't happen that quick, don't get me wrong, you know, mm. with all of us, it's kind of uh, one of those things, man, when you're in the right space and you're in the right frame of mind, um, magic happens, you know, because sometimes mm. I'd be working, let's say, with Double O Smooth, you know, and then two hours later, J-Dro would rock up. Mm. And then all of a sudden, he's hearing what we're doing, and then they start cooking up, they start writing. Mm. Yep. Next thing you know, we've got a hook, we've got a verse. Yeah. You know, Swish would rock up an hour later. All of a sudden, he's got a, you know, 15 home in his arm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. You know, it's like all of a sudden, man, it's gone in a different direction. And then uh, we've gone to, you know, from an R&B thing to a trap thing to, you know, all these guys' influences sort of in the room. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of been amazing to see it happen, to kind of go, let them just sort of be what they be, what they are and let them mm -hmm. sort of, you know, use their strengths on each sort of session, you know, well, yeah, and then kind of, sure. you know, it's really interesting to see how it sort of, you know, unfolds because, Everyone's just got their own little thing that they do really, really, really well, you know. And yeah. It's just kind of being in the moment and being present in the studio sessions. Mm. When, 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 when these moments come up and people that take advantage of it, you know, mm. Mm. Um, has sort of kicked some, you know, kicked some goals for them in the last couple of years, you know. And yeah, hundred percent. I think. Like being at Marshall Street Studios as well, I have a similar, um, you know experience with some of the the dudes that are producing out of here as mm. well you know they do things the same way it's a lot of like community based thing where it's like anyone can get on the mic and and start spitting and, right. and just lay down some tracks and it, it 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 is really really cool to see and it's just like and it always it always works out it's like you 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 might see a new face and they might never have been here and they might ne never have been in a recording session or something like that, like that before. And, you know, it's just something to experience if, if someone is interested in rapping or, you know, even producing and getting on the computer, it's like, yeah, go, go, just take a seat and just do it. And it's, it's, yeah, it's fucking cool to see. Absolutely, man. This is the thing about collaboration and music, you know, it, it, you can't have one without the other almost, you know. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you can't make music on your own. Mm. What I'm saying is that when people collaborate and they're open-minded about the collaboration, things can change dramatically, you know. Mm. And 
people that are kind of, I guess, do that often, uh, you, you just become better at it. You'd learn mm-hmm. how to communicate with people and you kind of, you, you can open up to new experiences, I guess. We've had many sessions here where people show up, friends of friends, or the next session would show up early. They'd be hanging out in the back couch talking. Before you know it, the guy's jumping on this track from the other guy. So it's mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. you know, it creates it creates a, um, uh, you know, uh, it, music opens up a channel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say. And like, you can mm-hmm. kind of, become friends with someone that you don't know and then all of a sudden you're riding a track together within 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's a really unique thing that it can do to people, Absolutely. especially when they're meeting if, up in these spaces. 100%. It's it's an unspoken thing. It's uh, it's a vibration that music like hits us on, you know, and you don't even have to necessarily understand the genre or anything like that. It's it's an unspoken no, thing absolutely. that you can just feel the energy and respond and, to it in in a different way that you might not have before. That's sick. And well, what, what are some of the um, difficulties that you see then in, in sessions, like s- any kind of things that you notice that regularly happen? I think the most, uh, the most, ish, the most uh, problem I see is people come un- unprepared to sessions, right, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, look, there's other things that come up in life and whatnot. Um, a lot of people sort of, um, I guess can have a little bit, bit of foresight on what they're about to do on that day and just, just sort of mentally prepare for the recording for the day, because what happens then is that you're opening up channels for better things to happen in the session, right? Because if you come in and you're still looking for your lyrics and you haven't downloaded your beat yet, what happens is, um, you know instead of gaining 30 minutes with the engineer helping you to make your rap better, automatically you've lost 30 minutes of positive yeah. energy time, right? Because you're going to be frustrated. The download site might be slow that day. You know what I mean? The website Things might not be up. working. The fucking <laughs> <It> might, <laughs> YouTube to wave bloody website you know I mean? that we're going to use. I could get another virus on my studio computer because someone hasn't bought their own beat. <laughs> you know I mean? and, and little things yeah. like that are going to push your session into the wrong direction because you haven't prepared for it, right? And it's very, very important because, you know, um, I've seen sessions that do and I've seen sessions that don't, right? obviously, mm. and a million times over in the last five years. Mm. And it, it really is a big difference, man. It really is a big, massive mm. difference. People need to just understand that, you're the only one that can make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, so true. For yourself. But really, man, it's like, you know, I can provide million dollars worth of equipment, microphone, studio time, you know, whatever you need. But if people show up to music sessions or recording sessions or any creative sort of session with the wrong attitude and especially unprepared and late, mm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah. It's the, a, the, the knock-on effect. It's like a snowball of just things effect, that Absolutely. are going to go wrong. You know, it's like you're not Absolutely. allowing all of the possibilities of things to go right to happen. You're instantly, by rocking up late or being unprepared, it's instantly you're on the back foot. You're instantly on the back foot. And, you know, unfortunately with the creative process, that's a instant negative as well because mm. everyone's, everyone's energy in the room is going to kind of get pretty low. As soon as you come in late – you hold the engineer up, the next session is going to be late, the one after that is going to be also delayed. 
And you also, yeah. all of a sudden, you've got five people, people in the room that are kind of not happy now. Mm. <laughs> you know, indirectly. I'm not saying people do this directly, but you kind yeah. of kind of push that session in a different direction. Where yeah. the opposite is kind of going to be very beneficial for the entire process yeah. and the people around you. You know? and, and you're just showing the respect to each of the people in that room, whether it's the engineer or not. It's like you're showing respect to your peers by being on time and, and being prepared. You're showing respect for the actual craft as well, which it requires that. It's not something that you can just whip up any time. It's not, I mean, some people are extremely talented and can just, you know, knock out something. Oh. But even those people are going to struggle from day to day. But like you said, the more you're prepared, the more respect you show to the craft and, and the whole process. And it just allows for a much more like smoother outcome for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. You Let's have to respect through, what you do. Yeah. Let's talk through some of, you know, your production styles and, and things like that. You know, it's a lot of hip hop based stuff. Um, you know, you do some Afro, you do, uh, you know, yeah, R&B sorts of things. And the things mm -hmm. that I've noticed is like your sounds are extremely clean and extremely upfront and modern, but, you know, they have, um, you know, some 90s influences and things like that. But there's always some sort of ambience that I found listening to your tracks. There's always some sort of like kind of feeling to them that is like flowy mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know, that's just kind of what I gathered from <laughs> from checking out your tunes. No, absolutely. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, my process is kind of, you know, how do I explain it? It's It's – you know, I don't want to just say I go on feeling, you know what I mean? Mm. Like that's kind of, you know, I'm sure you've heard that before, but I guess, you know, it's kind of uh, because I can make a trap track on a one day and then the next day we can work on a Spanish track with Danny as a, on a reggaeton thing or a completely different vibe. It's kind mm. of more of a creative energy that I'm working off. Mm. Um, you know, I feel off the artists that I'm working with, obviously at the time, you know, they influenced mm. me a lot and on how the, how the music comes about, you know. Mm. One day I could be starting a track just from hearing a sample on my phone when I'm still at the gym. Mm. I haven't even got to the studio yet. And that's, that's the yeah. whole track, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. more about finding concepts now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, man. So how do you get into be, that kind of space then? Like what's what allows you to get into that zone of being able to do that? Basically, man, I think it's been the fact that I've been re repeating this process for the last mm. two years full time, right? And mm. just the repetition and the consistency and just mm. trying to basically put down a plan for each project. So let's say I'm working with one artist, we'll put down a plan to finish these trend tracks and that'll be the deal that I make with the artist that I'm working with to go, okay, we have to complete this from here on. I'll give you X and X, you give me X and X. And within three to four months, for example, we um, would have, you know, two albums finished, mm. two singles, whatever whatever that is. So once we start that process, I'm, I'm trying to inspire the artist to keep, you know, keep the consistent coming back to work mm. on the next track, finish this one and keep going, to keep the repetition going because that's the only way I've found to be able to, you know, move your sound to the next level basically yeah. right it's even well, on an independent level man like it's a good point and you know the consistency is a huge thing it's like you can't know 
what you don't know and what you do know without doing it a whole lot of times. You know, it's the it's the ten thousand hours thing. It's like you absolutely you need to be able to trial and error things so many times to get to the point where you don't need to anymore and you just know what works. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Uh, you have to be willing to put in the time, right? Um, uh, you know, you have to be able to go. Uh, I'm going to give up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours mm. for this stuff. Like, mm. you know, there's only a few people that I know that are willing to stay in a studio on a Saturday night and look for kick drums. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, man? Like, mm-hmm. I did that yeah. for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. and once you do that, you build up a library of sounds that you have your go-to things, you know. Yeah. And yeah. having that power, man, I think is really, really important because, again, I'm not making music traditionally by any any which way, for, you know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it's, it's a process that is taken from people like Dr. Dre, people like who's one of my biggest influences, obviously. Mm. You know, he never played any instruments, but he had a lot of talented people around him and he utilized them properly. And that's mm. what I'm kind of doing now, you know. Mm. Um, uh, finishing a track is one thing, you know. Finishing the beat mm. is one thing today, Stewie. The, the way we're doing it now, it's like so many other bits of the puzzle, you Absolutely. know. <laughs> for yeah, for it to happen, you need you need the tracking, you need the recording, you need the mixing, you need the mastering. And then when yeah. that's done, you need to actually go out there and promote it with the artist that who needs to find shows and X and X yeah. and yeah. book gigs and, you know. So it's kind of, you know. Uh, mm. but yeah, the step, there's heaps to the it. Steps yeah. are very involved, you know, very, That's very involved, it, and that just comes from consistency, man. That's the only way you can sort of go. I want to sort of do this. How do I do it? Yeah. In my position, in my view, is to kind of just do it. And yeah. if you're really passionate about it, <laughs> you know, ten years and ago, it's... if you told me I'd be sitting here doing this, making a regular uh, album in Spanish with Danny Pedron. <laughs> you know, in the same year that I did a track with Coolio and sending beats over to Timberland for sync opportunities and NBA and NHL and all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they'll tell you you're crazy. But yeah. that'll yeah. happen within 12 months, you know, so, yeah. you yeah. know, straight after the pandemic. So it's kind of, you know, mm. a weird thing to say, but I just sort of give it to the fact that I've literally spent, you know, every single minute that I could in this place since I built it because. I literally set my That's mind on win. that I'm doing this. <laughs> how you win, I think, man. You know, yeah. everyone yeah. I've looked at and listened to in my entire life has been a mentor or a person that I've taken advice from. It's kind of, um, you know, told me to sort of keep up this sort of process. And, you know, yeah. whether it works for me or someone else it may not work for, but as yeah. far as getting into a studio and just making a track, I can kind of do that now, I guess, in 15 minutes. But because mm. I've been look because I've been doing it 15, 20 years, though. Yeah, that's it. That's you know, it. We, we can we can go straight to the point of a particular artist that I'm working with because I've got a vast library of sounds that I've been collecting for over 20 years almost. 100%. You know, 100%. There's some files on here that I've got, Stewie, on my current computer that if you look back on the date created, it's literally 2001, February something. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> I've just moved them from hard drive to hard drive to hard drive. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? yeah that's like, it. Yeah. You know, so it's like. I still meet dudes that I help producers, young guys that, that come in for advice and tips and whatnot. Yeah. They don't have any, like, they don't even have anything saved in their presets, let nah. alone have a library yeah. of sounds. Yeah. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. Let's um, get into kind of the process that you take when you're, you know, creating beats, not only creating beats, the stuff, the finalization pro- process of, of finalizing your tracks. Like, what does that look like? Is it the same kind of thing every time? Do you have the same sort of processing, those sorts of things? Talk us through that. Yeah, absolutely, man. So what I've got basically is uh, I've set up my own templates and Pro Tools for, for- uh, mixing, mastering, tracking, things like that, obviously, because I do it on a daily basis here, so you can't start a session mm. from scratch every single time, obviously. And I've developed these templates over the last few years, obviously, where I've got my go-to things where, you know, to make the process, you know, mm. streamline yeah. the process, basically. Yeah. You have to create templates. It's very important, as you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, obviously, a lot of my go-to stuff, which I'm using a lot of the Slate Digital uh, package at the moment. I record Unreal. with the Slate Digital mic. So that kind yep. of works with my whole vocal chain. So once I've mixed it, then I would sort of split out a final mix um, and then go into a new session in Pro Tools and then just do a bit of hardware processing, which I've only yep. got like a couple of things, a couple of SSL boxes that I just sort of run that through for a bit of color, yeah, um, a bit of, bit, bit of sort of, uh, you know, hardware juice, as they call mm-hmm. it, and, you know, kind of spit it back into the box, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean – what are you the looking for quite- like when you're actually like mixing and, and finalizing a track? Like how do you know when it's finished? How do you know like what a good mix sounds like? Um, basically, man, you, you kind of know how, what a good mix sounds like because of all the references we've been listening to mm-hmm. our whole lives, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I've got a few of my go-to WAVs that Dre instrumentals that I've got on the computer. Mm-hmm. That are like, you know, I kind of know it's the gold standard for my sort of yeah. sound. You know, yeah. it depends on who you like, man, who you follow and mm-hmm. who, who inspires you to make music is very important what you sound like mm-hmm. for me. Point, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've always been trying to, you know, in a lot of ways copy someone that I've mm-hmm. always loved and, you know, idolized my whole life. Mm-hmm. And they've always spoken about music and taught things in a certain way, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it's really important to – you know, find that sound from, mm. from that avenue, you know, because it's kind of, yeah, you know, no, you know. it's, it's a good point. It's like you, we, we all learn from the people that have come before us and, and they've learned from the people that have come before them and everyone kind of gathers things along the way. And, you know, we pick up little things here and there from different people. We might like some things, we might not like some of the things they do. So we kind of, just keep that always in our subconscious as we're working and we and we just yeah it, it, you're right it, it is an unspoken thing where or an unspeakable thing where you just don't know yeah. necessarily when it's done it's just done it's just when you just don't notice anything anymore it's, yeah that's when you when you I know it's done when everyone in the um, in the room that I'm working with is happy with it and they're looking mm. at me and going yep yeah, and we're all vibing with it you know I think it's also really important to understand that it has to come to a point where you think it's done too Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because a lot of people can procrastinate when it comes to finishing music, as we know, and like you have to streamline your process enough to get it to sound good enough to go, I know this is done now. If we get it to sound 
how I think it sounds good. Like, yeah, you know, facts. If you can't make that decision, it's difficult, man. It's difficult to finish music because, especially with a lot of guys working in home studios, you know, because if you can't hear it the way your ear wants to hear it, you can never get to that end point. You know, a lot of them try and do it all at home and the whole process, but unfortunately it kind of makes them take a lot longer in the end mm, because they can't yeah. get to that finish point because they can't hear that sweet spot, you know, where yeah, it's yeah. got to sit, you know, with the vocals, Absolutely. with the mixing, with the mastering, and they're trying to mimic records that they're hearing on the radio that have, <laughs> that have had hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on them, you know, as you know. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they've been produced and mixed and stuff in – amazing yeah. studios with great speakers and amazing, all this and that. Amazing, and it's right. like, I think the point is as well, you don't need all that sort of stuff these days, but you do need a reliable um, system, whether that's a really great set of headphones or a well-treated room with a decent set of monitors, you're Absolutely. just not going to be able to compete sonically with the other stuff if you don't have any, you're like, anything below 80 hertz coming out of your speakers. It's just it's not possible. This is the thing. Absolutely right. And this is the thing. You know, there's a lot of misconception out there with technology that they sell people these uh, new pieces of gear that, you know, sell a different message. Like a lot of monitors out there are not actually monitors. Like, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. In the essential meaning of the word. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the kind of the, the listening environment is crucial. A lot mm. of people have missed that in these days. And, you know, that's fair enough. You don't need that for the majority of the process. Don't get me wrong. But it's still crucial in my opinion that mm. that it's not forgotten because what happens is the, you know, the degrade, the quality is degrading in that, mm. in that, on an overall sense when yeah. people skip a few of those steps in the end yeah, for, for funding reasons, for whatever reason. But, you know, it's just going to hold a lot of, a lot of uh, reach back. Because, mm. you know, as yeah. you know, to get backing from industry, to get backing from overseas artists especially who spend all their time and effort and money to make their stuff sound amazing, they're not going to give anyone a go from overseas especially that has put very little effort into the yeah. sonics of a sound recording. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've yeah, had people like Pierre Bourne. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I've had guys like Pierre Bourne in the studio recently who's like mm. a, you know, top-notch US guy and he's – you know, killing it at the moment, and yeah, yeah, you know, doing yeah. beats for everybody, man. It's just like their process and their their hustle and their drive, mm. <laughs> you know, and the way they kind of take time in the detail of their productions and vocals, and just what I saw. And even though I only did one session, which was mm. a six-hour session, you know, <clears throat> it was just amazing to see that. Um. Mm. The effort and the level of detail is rewarded at the at the big game, man. You know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of we kind of forget that sometimes here in Australia, I think, and we kind of tend to go, oh, it's all right, you know, this will do or this will do. Dude, I literally saw this guy cut up one beat for four hours, yeah. like, and then he goes, no, just delete it, don't worry about it, let's yeah. go to the next one. But like, Shit. you're gonna give it the time it needs, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I think and it's like, a great point. You know. the, the fact that you said that the effort is rewarded and I think what what you said about Australia and I think Australia, it comes from the personality 
of of Australians in general. It's obviously we're a lot more laid back in general, and we kind of have the tall poppy thing going on as well. That I'm I'm sure like you know a lot of people from overseas can potentially relate to as well. But I think it's it's super prevalent here, and you kind of get cut down for being someone that stands out and takes time and, and wants to be someone that is special. It's kind of like almost frowned upon, but in an artistic world, which is what we're in, you have to be someone that stands out. It's you, you're just never going to compete with the best of the best. If you cannot be taking the time to be the best of the best, like, it's simple <clears throat> as that. You, got, you have to put your best foot forward, man. I told a lot of these younger guys, just imagine you're going out and you've got a hotel room on your first date. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to put in a lot of effort on how you look, how you smell. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to go to Kmart to buy your clothes. <laughs> you're going to oh, go to the, the Gucci best. store, man. Right? You're going to go to the Gucci store. You're going to, do, you're going to put your best foot forward. And if you did that with your music... And if you did that with everything else in life, man. Yeah, man. You know, things yeah, happen, the, dude. Things happen. And I think the correlation between money and th- and effort is somewhat like a parallel there, but it's it's not. Yeah, it's funny, man. I don't. I can't put it into words, but it's like the amount of yeah, money spent to look good should be equal uh-huh. to the amount of time and effort in music or any sort of artistic, yeah, you, whether you're a man, videographer, I'm, whatever it is, even if you're a manager absolutely. of an artist, it's like the time and effort that you put in directly correlates to what you get back. 100%, man, 100%. Yeah, and man. look, you know, I think we kind of forget that sometimes in this country a little bit just because simply of the fact that I think our scene here as well is a little bit young. It's a little bit new. It is, yeah. Compared to the rest yeah. of the world, right? So it's not like, you know. We've got some amazing talent here. Don't get me wrong at all, right? Mm, but mm. the thing is, is that it's a very young scene. A lot of people find it hard to, like you just said, stand out and not be criticised for that sometimes too, you know? Mm. Because, you know, you want to be able to put your best foot forward, but also that doesn't help when you don't have a lot of support. Mm. You know, for younger guys especially, financial support, industry support, even – even nightclubs putting on local artists mm-hmm. as headliners, little yeah. things like that doesn't quite happen in this country yet where mm-hmm. we don't have enough people crowds following these little scenes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, some of these guys in America that can sell out small shows for 5,000 people in the local neighborhood, you know, for us, that's a yeah. headline artist. It's a, dream. It's a fucking you know? dream. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And for, to, for us to become, for that to become a local scene in Australia and to give all these young guys an opportunity to make a few bucks off this scene and, and sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, I think it's really important that, mm. you know, that people kind of not undervalue what we do. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, think, because, I think we're definitely on the right track. Um, but like you yeah. say, we're we're early on, but we are starting to see the communities build up and really there was a period of say like 10, 15 years, I reckon, where the internet influenced so much and it, because it was new and people were seeing success on the early days of SoundCloud or the early days of MySpace or something like that even, they these That's were right. plat- platforms that were blowing people up. So people got access to it and they saw how easy sometimes it could have been. Um, 
Um, but that led to less of a community and things like COVID and stuff didn't help Absolutely. as well. But I think we are exactly. starting to see where communities are starting to build and everyone's supporting each other. And and even like, it's, it's funny, even like in scenes that aren't hip hop and underground and stuff like that, even like local, like indie rock and, and stuff like that, it's a, the same thing absolutely applies. It's like, if you don't have a community, if you don't have a group of people that can support each other and build each other up and not tear each other down, not go, fuck, why did they get that gig instead of me? And that is just the wrong culture. It doesn't build this community that we're talking about that they have in places like America and, and, and the UK and that's, other places like that. That's exactly what I was talking about, basically. And I think, you know, the funny thing is with the lockdowns, I think it made people aware how important it is to be part of a community. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, if you're not, you're going to, you were stuck alone. But if you were, everyone, you know, had their own little spaces they went to, they were kicking it, they were making music. Yep. Some legal, some illegal, you know, let's not name any names. We kind of we were made aware that, you know, community and support from our mm. peers is really important, you know, especially because, yeah. like, you weren't able to go 5Ks from your neighbourhood for a little while, you know, and that even mm. made it more, more of a point that, you yep. know, it's really important to know people from your local area and have mm. connections mm. and clubs and bars and, know who the local business is that can benefit from what you do, for instance. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I and think another when, point when, to, to if you do see these sorts of things pop up where you might see like a new nightclub um, or a new thing that they're trying to do or a new record store or something like that, these are the things that we really need to support and, and show show up at because those are the things that build exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's how you create a culture, you know, from inside another culture. So, you mm-hmm. know, people sort of uh, like-minded artists do this everywhere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like mm-hmm. all around the world for thousands of years, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like we didn't start anything, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, just, yeah. We're just rinsing and repeating a process that has made music and film and, mm-hmm. you know, every other sort of artistic path possible Mm, yeah yeah people didn't commute you know it wouldn't be possible at all yeah man and this chat has kind of gone in a completely different direction to where the a lot of our chats usually go but i'm i'm really loving it i'm 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 fascinated about (laughs) all this stuff and like i love it and you know being in the place like marshall street and you know you being doing exactly what you do is exactly why we are talking so much about this but and it's so important, but, um, talk to me more about like, um, we'll start to wrap it up. Talk to me about, you know, some of your favorite times that you've, that you've seen occur in sessions, whether that's, you know, specific songs that you've worked on or anything like that. And then, um, we'll get into some other stuff, but yeah, start, start with me there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we've had some interesting times uh, in 2022, obviously just post lockdown, so uh, early in the year, I sort of um, I was put in touch with Coolio through mm. a friend of mine, videographer Scorp. So that was an interesting sort of couple of months. Um, he was here on his tour last last January, February, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we ended up catching up. Uh, and you know, next thing you know, we're here doing barbecues and you know playing beats and yeah, yeah, everyone. Everyone from the community and the groups were popping in at different times, you know, jumping yep. on different tracks and mm. having different stories. And, you know, 
all sorts of like I just got to see what I originally built this place for come to fruition mm-hmm. with like having an international mm-hmm. artist here and like putting out, you know, put the word out to a couple of the guys, Jadro, Smooth, Jess, obviously, you know, Cardio and, you know, the guys that I work with. And from that, it stemmed into like a week of, you know, a party, a barbecue every day basically here and yeah, people yeah. shooting hoops and like, you know, it just be- I just sort of saw what this could become on a much larger scale with 10 yeah. studios like this around Brunswick and Melbourne. You know yeah. what I mean? And I just saw like, yeah. no, this is possible. The mm-hmm. people do want to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like Absolutely. it's the, 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 there isn't enough people doing it or the, the scene doesn't exist. Man, it's it's alive and kicking. It just needs the support and the finance. But that was, you know, an interesting couple of months for this year because I worked with a US artist for the first time in my life mm-hmm. directly in the studio. Like, mm-hmm. I've had placements mm-hmm. and whatnot in the past with, you know, semi known artists and whatnot, but never in here working with them, you know in a personal mm. one-on-one situation and, you know, got to see how someone like Coolio's experience mm. works in the studio and records yeah, vocals yeah. and, you know, and how he approaches harmonies and ad-libs and, you know, and it was just an amazing experience for me to have someone in here that I've been listening to my whole life basically, you know. For sure. Who had so, some so amazing talk- stories, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I heard that. Uh, through you know secondhand some of the stories and stuff it's crazy but um like expand on that T- tell us about like the process of like what made him different to other people so, but, yeah so initially what made him different was that um he would um he would sort of write a bunch of ideas mm. record them just a bunch of random ideas mm. on because obviously we would start again how I start most of my sessions with playing people beats that I've already got cooked up that to see if they can get inspired, you know? And then from then it's like, okay, you know, you can get a feel for what the artist wants to do. Cool. I just happened to pick like the second or third thing that I played and I got to sort of see it from like a, you know, I guess at a pro level, Mm. someone that has been, you know, in studios with obviously Snoop Dogg, Dr. Mm. Dre, Warren G, Tupac, You know, man, he's been in with everybody, dude, you know, as you can imagine, right? And I'm just sitting here, like, I just didn't know what to, you know, what to take yeah, in yeah. at once, man. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, this is my entire yeah, childhood in, in one in one sort of sitting, you know, and this guy was hanging out with him, you know. It's so nice. it was just, man, like, he was just work ethic. Like, dude, mm. honestly, like, nothing like I've ever seen. Yeah. He would literally work himself to the bone where he'd be passed out on the couch. Yeah. From riding like just you know out cold for eight hours, and we did that for about two weeks. It's you know, crazy. and just man, relentless, relentless, um, riding and rewriting and trying takes and then redoing it. And well, like, I think you, not, you know what, not being what, precious, what it kind of you know. says to me, yeah, for sure. What it says to me is like he recognizes, and like all professionals do, they recognize that that is their job, you know, it's like. I'm not Absolutely. here for any other reason than to work. So it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to gain by just hanging out for a couple of hours? And, you know, you might build relationships, and, which is also important. But when you're there to work, it's like, do your job. And that is his. that was his job at, you know, for, for being there. Man, it's absolutely. like same same for you. You were, you were sitting on the computer. You were sitting on the MPC for two hours, uh, eight hours a day doing your job and it's like that that is if if you're looking at this and you're hearing this and you're not there yet recognize that that is that's what that's what's needed to become a professional 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, someone mm. at Coolio's level with 30 years' experience who had a Grammy at 18, right? Still sat here. And as soon as the barbecue finished, he walked in the his flight and kept driving. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. was outside drinking, talking shit, whatever. We had heaps of people here that wanted to meet him, photos, gifts. He was mm -hmm. clothing was thrown at him, all sorts of club appearances. Can you come to our club? Blah, blah, blah. Dude, he wants to stay here. Yeah. For the yeah. whole two weeks. He yeah. didn't want to go. He's like, yeah, he went to a couple of places. He made it onto project. And, but like, you'd bring me up in the morning. KB, what's going on? You're the last. I'm coming now. <laughs> I'm not in today, man. I've got to go to doctors. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's Hustle, awesome. Man. And you yeah, can tell crazy. That someone at his age, he was 58, man, when I worked with him, right? He was 58. He still had that fire, man. Like, you mm. still had that fire when it was in the studio and the creative energy, it never dies. Like, if that's yeah. your thing and you've been doing it and living it your whole life, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, someone that's spent 30 years singing Gangster's Paradise live yeah. and still wanting to do it. Yeah, like, dude. Man, I was yeah, just, man. I was just, man, I was just, like, amazed, dude, amazed and yeah. how, like, you know, you can really live a great lifestyle doing what you love and you don't have to become Justin Bieber, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the music yeah. scene, honestly, like, you know. Yeah, dude, for sure. I mean, especially now with the access to, you know, getting your music out there and if you play your cards right and be smart about it and work hard, like we've been talking about this whole fucking podcast, if you do Basically, the right thing and take all the important. time, it's like you can, <laughs> like you said, and it is a life that is possible. If, if you're not there yet, you can be there. Let's start to wrap it up. Um, what is your final... I mean, we've gone through so many bits of advice, but what do you have any like final bits of advice for first of all, producers and engineers, and then secondly, artists? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for young, inspiring producers, um, I would always have to say, just keep up the consistency. Um, you know, one thing I noticed these days is lacking is honestly, is just, just consistent hustle on your craft. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of, I work with some fucking Super amazing, talented people, man. And if they applied themselves a little bit more, and I'm not saying quit your job, leave your missus, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. saying like become a studio lab rat, you mm. know, mm. all the time. That's ideal, but, you know, that's not for everybody, man. But you mm. can have a, a balance where you can be 50 hours a week of production, mm. 10 hours of this health and fitness family right all these things man if i didn't go to the gym every day i could not make these beats you know yep. why because after two hours i'd be my back would be killing me dude yeah there'll be other issues that come up health issues uh, you've got to be aware of these things man i don't it's not just finding mad samples getting a singer in here opening studio and then let's go yeah it's one Absolutely. thing man but you, you know that's one great thing i can have double o smoothie one day he's an amazing rapper as you know right Yep. But if he is having a bad day that day, shit's not going to come out. Mm. And we've mm. had those days. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, not many. We're smooth. Oh, we've had them, right? Mm. <laughs> and everyone, it's just the consistency, man, and knowing that before I can make this beat, the last three things that are bothering me and have to be solved is an important part of making yeah. that beat. That's all. Yeah. And I think and like, what's, what stands out to me there is like preparation and knowing how to get yourself right and knowing what you need to do to consistently produce 
like the goods is like, yeah, like you said, it's those unspoken things, whether it's gym, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's sleep, all of those things. That's fucking you, important. It, it, you just can't, you can't perform at your best and you can't be your best. Um, you know, you might want to only sing or you might want to only produce for your whole life. And it's like, that's good, but you won't be able to without the holistic approach of being healthy and doing the things that you need to do, whatever that is, meditation, anything, whatever you need to do to get yourself right and ready for the day, you got to do it. Very important. And second bit of advice for producers is learn how to use social media mm. <laughs> because, and learn how to use it to your advantage as well. Don't get overconsumed in it because it's going to be very, very overwhelming and there's a lot of clickbait out there. But, you know, I see a lot of guys using it incorrectly and making it a real nightmare for themselves where yeah. it becomes a burden and you almost don't want to do it anymore mm-hmm. because doing things right and wrong, you know, it can really lead you in a different path. So there's a lot of tools out there, but, you know, it's it's really important to utilize them in a way where you're not wasting time and mucking around mm. and like, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to ask questions mm-hmm. from people that are already doing it, research people that are doing it, follow them, mimic them and try and become part of what they do, man. Like mm. I'm amazed at how many producers too, are too, too scared to hit me up for a free mix assessment session. Mm. Like, or just, just call me, man. Send me a message on Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah, you know the time you get all the usual stuff, fire, love hearts, all yeah. the you know support stuff. But like, sometimes it takes months for someone to ask. Oh man, I'm a producer. I'd love for you to mix my stuff. I've been hanging around for months. This and that. I know this guy. Like, Why don't you just text me, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like this is what I'm here to do. Like, yeah, yeah, you may not have the funds at the moment. You might think it's too out of reach. You might not think you can record here or whatever. Regardless of the point, every business opens up their doors to a client initially for free, right? Yeah. As and a I think, networking thing. And yeah. you have to be able to do your research, man. And that's what that Absolutely. takes. Like, and at, you, at 16, you, I went to Dean. I was just going to say, you, you're, you've you set these kind of things up in your head. I can't afford it. I can't do this. I can't do that without even having talked yeah. to the person and explaining your situation to them and what you need in the first place. Absolutely, man. And most of the time I can provide – Recording, mixing, and mastering less than a price of Jordan 3s. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not that expensive, but when people realize that, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, this is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is doable. It's not that yeah, out of reach. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, um, it's only a extra couple of steps, but it brings you a lot of value long term, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice one, man. Well, this has been and- fucking awesome. Um, I appreciate your appreciate time, it, man. Bro. My pleasure, um, man. My pleasure. Good luck with the podcast and um, everything uh, down at Marshall Street. Hopefully, uh, we'll get down there real soon again. Absolutely. My next man. day off, I think, is in September. So I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm about the same. Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Have another um, party down there, will you? Otherwise, I can't get down true. there. True. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where can Tell people Matt. find you, dude? Uh, Instagram, obviously, uh, at KB808 Music. Um, I'm not trending on Twitter anymore since Elon bought it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CosmicBounceRecords.com, obviously. And yeah, man, like hit up any artist that I'm working with. If you want to do a collab with them, if you want to feature with them, if yeah. you like their sound and think that we could do something together, don't be afraid to hit me up or 
smooth or anyone that you see on my stories because I'm not just posting them to show off. I'm posting yeah, them so you exactly. can collab with them. You know what I mean? Share the love, absolutely. Up, man. It's cool. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, we can all benefit from things that we don't have at the moment. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah, man. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. And thanks for having me on, dude. Thank you, mate. And thank you to everyone that's uh, been watching this far. Much appreciated. What helps us is if you can share it around, have a chat with someone, tell them about the podcast, whether that's in person or in a DM or on your stories or anything like that. That just gets the word out. And as always, follow and subscribe. You hear these words all the time, but what it does is it keeps you up to date with um, any new episode that uh, we are going to put out there. We're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, wherever everywhere. So stay up to date and uh, we will see you next time on What's That Sound Podcast. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.